0: Uh, Several weeks ago, a couple of my staff said to me, do you realize what topic you're preaching on or what question you're answering on Mother's Day? And I have to admit that I had not really paid attention to uh, what topic I had selected for Mother's Day. And they said, you're scheduled to preach on sin on Mother's Day. And I thought, well, I could make that work, but it's probably not the best topic to be talking about on Mother's Day. No one really wants to tune into worship on a Sunday morning and be sitting there with their family or thinking about their mom, and all of a sudden uh, we kind of drag that whole thing down by spending 20 or 25 minutes talking about sin. Uh, so we're going to push that back to next week. We'll answer the question and talk about sin. Uh, next Sunday, and then the last Sunday of May, we're going to talk about prayer. Uh, so I was talking to my wife, and I said, Well, I, I feel like I need to choose something different to preach on. On Mother's Day, and and what do you think? What would be a good text to talk about uh, on Mother's Day? And she talked about how she had given a talk on Mary, the mother of Jesus, this past fall at our women's retreat, and said, "Well, maybe you could talk about Mary." And I thought, "It's May. It's not Advent season. It's not Christmas. We talk about Mary. We talk about Elizabeth. We talk about Joseph and Zachariah and the shepherds. We we talk about all of that in December, not in May." Uh, But I thought. We're in such a weird season, why not? Why not consider uh, the story of Mary? And so I went back and I reread Luke chapter 1, but this time in the month of May, not in November or December when I would normally be reading that. And what caught my attention was how often the word favor is used in that text, that Elizabeth found favor, that Mary found favor. And I thought, maybe let's spend this Sunday talking about God's favor. What does it look like to find God's favor? What does it look like for God's favor to find you? And so that's what we're going to be about this morning. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 3, reading the first four verses. And then we're going to turn our attention to Luke uh, for pretty much the rest of the sermon, uh, talking about in Luke chapter 1, and in Luke chapter 2, and in Luke chapter 4. But this morning, we want to start in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 4. So I encourage you uh, to listen to these words of Solomon. Uh, he's instructing his son. So the context here is is important that, that Solomon's teaching his son what it looks like to follow God and to love God and to serve others. And this is what we read. This is Proverbs chapter 3. Verses one through four. My son, he says, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and humanity. Then you will win favor and a good name. Solomon looks at his son and says, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. He says, don't forget my teaching. He says, but most importantly, he says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Tie them or write them on the tablet of your heart. And that language there of binding and writing on the tablet of our heart, that's that's language from Deuteronomy chapter 6. You may recall when God gives the law... Uh, to Moses, to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 6. Moses says, you are to take these things, take these teachings, and you are to share them with your children. And that's precisely what Solomon is doing in this text. And then he says, and as you do this, you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and others. And and he's saying that, that as we do this, as we live this life, as we love others, as we care for others, as we show mercy... We, we discover God's favor, we, we, we dwell in God's favor, but we also reveal something of God's love and grace to others. And so this idea of finding favor. But more importantly this morning, I, I think it's great to look at the story of Elizabeth and Mary, because it's not just a teaching, it's actually taking this idea of favor and applying it to their lives of how it is that God worked in their lives, of how God showed his favor to both Elizabeth and to Mary. We're going to be in Luke chapter one at verse 21. We're kind of picking up in the middle of the story. You may recall that Zechariah was from the family of Abijah and he had been called to the temple to offer sacrifices, that that was a part of his role as a priest. Uh, he and Elizabeth were barren, they had no children. And as he is in the temple, the angel Gabriel appears to him and lets him know that, that Elizabeth is going to have a child. And he, is, he, he can't believe it. So much so that he starts to doubt and he starts to question. And Gabriel finally says, fine, you're not going to be able to talk until this child is born. And so the people are waiting for Zechariah to walk out. And this is what we read, Luke chapter 1, verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was complete, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, and here, listen to these words, God has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Three times in those ten verses, we hear the word favor. Elizabeth realizes the favor of God upon her. She had been unable to conceive and bear a child. And now she experiences God's favor. The angel Gabriel says to Mary, fear not, for God's favor is with you. And as I read through that, and I've read that story so many times, but what struck me this time was the very different lives of Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth, we read earlier in Luke chapter 1, was a descendant of Aaron. She was from the from the daughters of Aaron. She was married to a priest. She was older. She was known. She had a place In society, she was respected, and the one thing she didn't have was a child. But she had this this wonderful lifestyle around her. But then I thought of Mary, who, in so many ways, is the exact opposite of Elizabeth. She's not married, she's engaged. She's young, and no one knows her. She's not related to anybody famous. Her husband is the descendant of David, but, 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 but she is not known by anyone. And she's out in this small little town called Nazareth, where probably no one knows her name. And yet God's favor comes to her as well. I don't have time this morning to contrast all those differences, but I just it, it just hit me of like, this is what God's favor is all about. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter whether you are known or unknown. It doesn't matter whether you have the right family pedigree or you come from the right region or whatever it is. God's favor is simply bestowed. And I think it's an incredibly hopeful word and I hope also hope helpful word for us today. That God's favor is for each and every one of us. God doesn't look at our background. God simply says, Here's my grace. Here's my favor. But if you read closely through Luke, especially the beginning parts of Luke, you you see and discover that this idea of favor appears a number of times, not just in the birth story, but then actually in Luke chapter 2 when the angels appear to the shepherds. You may may recall uh, what that looks like. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And the shepherds are out in the fields taking care of their sheep, And we read verse 13, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And now the shepherds get on this. God is saying, the angels are saying, they're proclaiming this great and wonderful news that God's favor rests on them. They are a nobody. They are testimony was not even accepted in court because it was assumed that it would be corrupt. They had no voice. They had no place. And look who it is that God gives the responsibility to go and to see the baby Jesus and then go back and to share that testimony. It's not the elite to get that. It's these shepherds whose word was not even valued by society. And God proclaims to them, God's favor is for you. And this is what God's favor, they've done nothing to deserve that. But God's favor shows up. And what happens when we receive God's favor, when we understand God's grace and his mercy, it forever reorients our lives. It forever gives us a different mission and a different purpose. And I hope we hear that this morning that God's favor is for you, if God shows up to Elizabeth, if God shows up for Mary, if God goes out to some shepherds who are just working the fields at night and proclaims, "My favor is for you," that is a promise that we can hold on to. That's a promise that has been delivered to us. And then as we keep reading through Luke chapter through Luke, we get to chapter four. And and in Luke chapter 4, there's a different setting. Jesus has been out in the wilderness. He's been being tested and tempted by the devil. And and he has overcome all of that. And and he comes out of the the wilderness experience. And if you recall it, it's really when he he enters in to kind of his quote-unquote official earthly ministry. And he begins preaching. And he begins teaching. And in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus goes home. He goes back to Nazareth. And here's what we read. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners." And recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and finally, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus gets handed this scroll and he he starts opening the scroll and he keeps opening it until he gets to Isaiah chapter 61 near the very end of the book of Isaiah. And so what we just read there about the spirit of the Lord being upon him and anointing him and calling him to proclaim good news and proclaim freedom and the recovery of sight and set the oppressed free. All of that's coming straight from Isaiah chapter 61. And then Jesus says to end it all to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, we hear that, and we don't necessarily think a lot about that or what exactly Jesus meant by that. But for any Jewish person listening to Jesus proclaim that he is there to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, it it brought back memories of, of Leviticus. It brings back this idea that we've talked about a number of times, and we need to reiterate this idea. It brings back the year of Jubilee, that Jesus, as he is standing there and proclaiming himself and saying, this is the year of the Lord's favor, he's proclaiming the year of Jubilee, This is an Old Testament thing back in the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 25, verses 8 through 10. It's part of the, the, the rules and regulations that God gives to the nation of Israel as they prepare to go into the promised land. And he says, here's what you are to do. This is Leviticus 25, verse 8. Count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years, so that the Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the 7th month on the day of the atonement sound the trumpet throughout the land consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants it shall be a jubilee for you each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan the year of jubilee was to happen every 50 years all debts were to be forgiven All slaves, all people who had enslaved themselves were to be set free. All lands were to, were to be returned to the original owners. Because what God was saying is over time, people get in difficult places. Over time, people have a hard time surviving. Over time, people will make bad decisions. People will find themselves indebted. People may, because of life circumstances, have to sell themselves into slavery People might lose their lands because they can't afford to take care of them. And so God says, on the day of the atonement, every 50 years, you are to proclaim the year of jubilee. You are to sound the trumpets and boldly proclaim that everything is forgiven. And how often did Israel do that? Now, I know some of you know the answer, so you can lean in or tell the person next to you. I know how often they did it. They never did it. They never had the year of Jubilee. And why not? Well, do you know how costly it would have been to have the year of Jubilee? To proclaim the year of Jubilee? People would have to give up something. And if you run the cost analysis on that, It really didn't make sense. But what God was trying to do was he was resetting everything. He was restoring the world and making making things right. But for all those years, Israel never observed it. But when Jesus shows up and he says, I am here, he flips to Isaiah 61. You can just imagine that. He says, I am here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Because what he is saying is he is saying, I am the Jubilee. I am the year of Jubilee. Because what I have done is to come and pay the debt. I have come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I have come to proclaim freedom for those who are enslaved. I have come to restore things. And Jesus announces this and he says, look, this is what is happening. This is why I've returned to Nazareth to make sure that everybody knows what it is exactly that is going on. I'll pay the price. So there's three things about the Lord's favor that I want to conclude with. The first is this. The Lord's favor comes to us as grace. It is God's good news that is announced to us. It is telling and saying to us that we are uniquely privileged. This is what God's favor is all about. It it is pure gift. But the second thing about God's favor is it helps us persevere through the struggles of life. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And he can say that and he can write that and he can do it do everything else that he was able to write and, and say and, and live the life they lived because he recognized that God's favor was upon him and it gave him the strength to persevere. Because let's be honest, life is not always easy. Think about Elizabeth and Mary. They both received, they both heard words of promise of God's favor, but their lives were not easy. They both lost their sons. Mary watched her own son die on a cross. John the Baptist was beheaded. Life was not easy for these women, even though they had received God's favor. And I think we we make a mistake if, if we think that just because we're receiving God's favor that life is always going to be easy for us. We recognize that on Mother's Day, this is a hard day for some moms. I had a dear dear saint in one of my former churches who would say to me every year at the beginning of May or the, the end of April, and she would say, Paul, I can't come to church on Mother's Day. And the reason she couldn't come to church on Mother's Day was because she had lost both of her children. And it just brought so much sadness to her heart to be there on that day. Every other day she could be there. But she kept the faith. And she kept persevering. And so what I want us to hear in talking about God's favor is it gives us the strength to persevere, to keep going on. Because you may recall what happens to Jesus. He goes back home. He proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. He says, I am the Jubilee. Basically, I'm going to cancel all debts, make all people free. And do you remember what they want to do to Jesus? They want to drag him out of town and kill him. That's how they respond. Already in Luke chapter 4, right as he's beginning his earthly ministry, there are people out to get him. So God's favor allows us the strength to persevere. The final thing about God's favor is that it is to be shared. God's favor is allows us to bless others. As we receive that gift, we're called to share it with others. We think about that in the Psalms. There's images oftentimes of of trees that bear fruit. And and, and that, that fruit that is born by that tree, it's never for the sake of the tree. It's always for the sake of someone else. And so in the same way, God's favor is given to us that we might bless others. I am convinced that part of the reason that, that I'm a pastor today, as many of you know, this was not the path I had designed for my own life, I had a finance degree, and I was ready to get a job, and, and all those sorts of things, and God kind of began rerouting my life. Right out of college, I was hired in a small church to preach, to lead worship, to run a youth group. I was basically an assistant pastor, if you will. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd done youth ministry and that was about it. I'd never preached a sermon. I never helped us lead in a worship service. But when I arrived in Three Rivers, California, I met a man named Keith Mitchell. A man who had received God's favor. A man who was an incredible pastor. But a man who, six months earlier, before I'd gotten there, had lost his wife. And he was alone. And I was alone. My I don't even remember what my salary was, it wasn't very much money, and my housing was a single wide mobile home trailer. But what Keith did, I am forever grateful for. Because he took me in under his wing. He mentored me, he encouraged me, challenged me. He said, Paul, let's talk about what it looks like to be a pastor. And I would never have thought about doing anything like that. He's the reason I went to seminary. He's the reason or part of the reason, certainly, that this whole journey began. But he showed favor to me. Because God had first shown him favor. And he did it in the midst of loss. But I think that year was a great year for both of us. Because even as he encouraged me and he helped me and he helped point me and reorient my life... The direction that God wanted me to go, I think I was able to do the same thing for him and to simply be a friend and to share in ministry and life together. I hope today that you sense God's favor. If you feel as though you are not known, I hope you know that you are known by God. If you feel as though Mary probably felt when the angel Gabriel first told her what she was going to do, that there was no way she could do it, that that, that she was barely known, that, that that she didn't really see that as a part of her identity, I hope you know that God wants to give you an identity. That God's favor wants to rest upon you. It doesn't mean that life's always going to be easy or you're always going to get everything that you want. But the promise is that God says, I'm with him with you. I'll strengthen you, I'll encourage you, I'll love you. So no matter where you find yourself today, my hope and my prayer is that you will allow God's favor to rest upon you. It's, God. God's looking for you. God longs to be in relationship with you. And as you find your life being blessed, that you will seek to bless the lives of others. That you will seek to bless the lives of others pray with me please God thank you for your amazing love thank you for your favor that reaches out to us even we feel as though we are unknown whether we feel like we're a shepherd out in the fields whether we feel as though um, Lord we've had a pretty pretty privileged life whether we feel as though we're unknown wherever we find ourselves Lord thank you for your favor and thank you that your favor rests upon us and that you see us all through the lens of Jesus God thank you um For this day, thank you for the encouragement you bring to us. And may we seek to serve you well in our lives. We pray and ask in Jesus' name.